everyone, welcome to Infused Church Online. So glad you're with us today as we continue our series, Money Talks. Now I have a question for you. Have you ever been second in something, or maybe even less than second? And your family and your friends and everyone around you, they cheered you on, you said you did a great job and all that stuff, but deep down, you were kind of a little disappointed because you weren't first. Because what's first matters, and we know that, we all know that. And the same is true when it comes to our lives and when it comes to our money, is what we put first will determine greatly how we invest and how we spend our money. Stick around. I want to start off with um, this trophy. Um, I don't have many trophies in my um, trophy collection, Um, pretty much like two, and this is one of them, and I had my mom dig it out and find it for me. and this is a trophy that um, I won in a uh, tennis tournament in Fort Dodge, Iowa. Um, obviously a major accomplishment. Um, that's a joke. Uh, <laughs> Fort Dodge, Iowa. Yeah, thank you. Yes, perfect. Um, yes, so um, I won this trophy. Uh, it was a really um, uh, interesting match. I made my way all the way to the finals, uh, and I thought I was doing pretty darn good. And it was a really hot day, and the, the match took forever Uh, And finally, I lost, and I got uh, the runner-up trophy, yeah, Um, to which at least half of you just thought, wow, Taylor, um, I'm a little bit more disappointed in you because you didn't get first, right? Um, In fact, it was kind of funny when I called my mom and said, hey, mom, can you get the runner-up trophy? She went to the first place trophy. And I said, no, mom, I need the runner-up trophy. Um, Because like so many of us, I think there's a part of us, um, if you've ever done sports or competitions in any way, um, there is something deep inside you that even if you got just below first, you know you didn't get first. And you're disappointed. And I realize for some of you, you're like, I've never been second. I always was like fifth or something. But regardless, you just know that you weren't first. And I think culturally, and this isn't necessarily a bad thing, but we're kind of like gen- generally pretty obsessed with being first in whatever we do. Like if we're going to do it, our kind of our goal, our dream, what we imagine um, is to get first. Um, but you know that even though your mom is there and your dad is there and your family's there and your friends are there and they're cheering you on, they're like, oh, so great getting that, you know, sixth place trophy or something, you know, deep down they're thinking like you're thinking, but it wasn't first, right? And, uh, but what I'd like to talk about at least today is the fact that um, first place um, or what is first tends to have a pretty big impact on our lives um, because nobody goes out for a sport, um, generally speaking, without at least the hope of being first or at least one day maybe working yourself up to the place of first. And we're going to talk about this in the context of money. But before we get there, I want to just give you today's main point. And so if you fall asleep or you get too bored, I hope you don't. Um, But here is today's main point. What's first in your heart will be first in your life. What's first in your heart will be first in your life. For example, if you got married, you hopefully somewhere in your vows said something about forsaking all others, okay? Because there's only one for you. And it's the one you're with. And stare deeply into their eyes and all that good stuff, right? And, and it's fair to say, I think, that most of us would say that first, that first, um, that person that you're, you're marrying, that you're committing to, really is everything. Because there isn't like a second place in marriage. At least there shouldn't be. But there is no like second place. The only value is on the person who is first. 
And as soon as that person drops out of first in your heart, generally speaking, in your life and in your marriage, things start to fall apart. Or maybe you're a very goal-orientated person, mission-orientated person, objective-orientated person, and you're like, I am going to do whatever I set my mind to. I'm going to do the absolute best. And so whatever you set your heart to, you tend to drive towards first in everything else, and then everything else that's left, or in that one thing, and then everything else that's left goes to second place. Or maybe you were that athlete, okay? And every athlete's dream, deep down, I remember sitting at the, um, the uh, Olympic uh, ch- challenges or time trials to determine who gets to go to uh, be an Olympic swimmer, because I was a swimmer in high school. Um, and I just remember looking at their times and saying, wow, maybe I could just get a little bit better, and then I could maybe one day go to the Olympics, even though that was completely out of the question. Um, but all of us dream of that gold medal. Until we lose and you've probably seen this happen before, if not on like the TV, maybe in your life, or maybe it maybe uh, happened to a friend of yours or something where that person was trying everything, pushing so hard, you knew that that thing that they were competing for, striving for, driving for, that job, that promotion, whatever it was, that thing that was first in their heart, that was everything to them, they lost, or they got defeated in it. And then what happened next wasn't that something as simple as they just lost a game, they seemed to, like, lose their life. Like, it wasn't just a defeat, it was a personal defeat. And things started to fall apart, and they were kind of dazed and confused and in a, in a slump, and, and it was just, it was almost sad to watch because that thing that had been first in their heart was no more. In 2009, so a year after the financial crisis, um, scientists were a little shocked because there was a spike of about 9%, uh, 5,000 people, specifically men. It wasn't the women, it was the men. There was a spike in a certain statistic. Anyone want to take a guess on what happened in 2009? Suicide, Suicide, yeah. Yep. 5,000 more men than normal in the United States and Canada committed suicide. And in the European Union, it was worth Worse, 13.3% of men committed suicide, or in addition to the normal statistic, committed suicide. Women didn't change, but men, it did. Why? Because people lost their job. And that job wasn't just something that they did eight to five, it was something that was first in their heart. And among some of the men, those men, uh, they had lost their income where they had lost their money, and their money, that which was first in their heart, was gone. And because what was gone in their heart, or what that was first in their heart was now gone, essentially their life was practically gone too. And there were many families who lost dads that year, because what was first in their heart was first in their life, and so their life was meaningless. Now maybe, certainly, yours may not be that dramatic, but there are certainly things in our life that is first above all other things. So I want to ask you, what's first? And you can do it a different way. You don't have to go through first in your heart to figure out what's first in your life. You can do it backwards. You can just figure out what's first in your life, and I will promise you that will be first in your heart. In other words, ask your friends, ask your family after today. You say, hey, um, you know, what would you say is first in my life? And I promise you that will also be first in your heart. 
Now, last week, I asked you a question in this series uh, talking about money, and I asked you this question. If your money could talk, what story would it tell? If your money could talk, what story would you tell? And then I asked the follow-up question, are you proud of that story? But today, I want to ask you another follow-up question. If your money could talk, what story would it tell, and what would it say is first? In other words, if you go home and you look at your budget or you look at your spending for 2019, and you should at least have a pretty good idea what that is, and if you don't, you really need to figure that out because otherwise the rest of uh, financially finding peace is going to be very difficult for you. But if you go back and look, what does your money say is first in your life? Is it your retirement? Is it your savings? Maybe it's God. Is it your house? Is it your car? Is it your boats? Is it your travel? Is it your kids? Amen, kids? Take all your money. Yeah, what would it say is first? Now, this is actually kind of an unfair question because I think it, at least I meant it in some sense, to be a little bit of a trick question. Because I think if you asked your money what was first in your life, I think your money would say, your money. I think your money would say, your money is first. And I realize some of you may disagree with that, but if you think about it, all the things that you do, places you go, places you spend, things you buy, bank accounts you try to fill, all are dependent on money first. Money first. Maybe you put it all into cars, but before you put it into cars, before you put it into your house, before you put it into savings, it's contingent on money being first. That's where you may spend it, but before you purchase it, money came first. And that's why some of us, we try to fix our spending problems, when really at the heart of it, we just have a money first problem. That if you control your money, its place in your life, in your heart, better, it will influence how you spend. Now, I know some of you say, well, Taylor, um, I'm actually pretty responsible with my money. I don't, I don't spend it a lot. I actually save, and I invest, and I build up my re- retirement and all that kind of stuff. And so money's not really an issue for me. And that's right. You may not have a spending problem, but what is required for you to save first? You have to have money to save it. You have to have money to invest it. To be responsible with money, you kind of actually have to have money first. And, and I just say this like from experience because if Stephanie and I were kind of to fall into a trap, um, I, I think for us it tends to be, well, we're just responsible people when it comes to our money because we tend to save and we tend to have a lower debt. Um, I wouldn't say that we have money problems. And so therefore, money's not an issue for me. Except money could actually be very front and center in our lives. Or some of you, and this could be a little bit of a stretch to think about, but some of you, a couple of you maybe even, you you give a lot of what you uh, own or have away, your money, you give it away. Maybe you give it to God, maybe you give it to charity, okay? Even you can still put money first, I was actually at a conference this week. It was an awesome conference. Learned a lot. And they were sharing in a, in a breakout session about generosity and giving um, was uh, a story of a, a gentleman who gave a million dollars to their church. And all of us are sitting there like, wow, a million dollars. I mean, that'd be awesome. That's Powerball kind of money, right? Except for the fact that 
and this is, I kind of drew this from the context of the situation, but except for the fact that the guy probably made somewhere more near towards 50 million in a moment, and so he gave a million to the church. And none of you would probably say that's generosity if I put it in a different context. Let's say I give you $50, and you give a dollar away. You give a dollar to God. Is that generosity? I gave you a 50, you gave a dollar? Most of us would not sit here and say that's generous. The only difference is when you're talking millions, it feels bigger. But he's left with $49 million. Even when you're doing something that appears on the surface generous underneath of it all, What's first? Money. Someone who saves a lot, spends a lot, gives a lot, can still have money be first in their life. Spend a lot, saves a lot, gives a lot, can still have money be first in their life. Now, I realize some of you are thinking, okay, but why is that bad? Why it's bad is because what's first in your heart will be first in your life. And I just want to have an honest conversation with you for a second, even though this is kind of one way you just answer internally, but a couple questions for you. Are you happy with the way money has influenced your life? Do you think your life is essentially better because of money? Like it's made your family stronger, brought you together. Has it helped you to accomplish your dreams? Or has it distracted you from what matters most? Has it brought you joy? Or more often, does it bring you stress? Have you ever spent more than you have? Saved more than you needed? Have you ever had a fight with that internal voice that say, hey, you should get that thing, that bigger, that better thing? If you only had more, you'd be happy. And certainly, if you are in a, uh, a relationship, certainly money has never been a point of argument, has it? Okay, that took a little while, but you processed through it, yeah, yeah. I mean, what do you do? I talked about this last week, what do you do? Where, where do you spend 40, 50, 60 hours of your limited time? I think this is such an interesting thing. We spend so much of our limited time, as in time will run out, trying to gain a more infinite amount of money. We try to gain something that when our time runs out will be completely worthless. I don't think we have a good relationship between what is a finite, our time, and what could be infinite, money especially because money will be worthless when our time runs out. I think it's very difficult to find peace if money is first in our heart and first in our life. So what I want to suggest to you today, for you to consider, you don't have to, just invite you every Sunday just to consider this as an option, is to replace money as first in your life with something else. Now I'm not saying, oh, please go out and be responsible because, well, now you've replaced money with something else. Or now I'm not saying just go out and just give it all away because you've replaced your money in your heart with something else. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying what Jesus said, in which we looked at last week, except we're going to look at a different um, uh, book of the Bible in which this came out, a different point in time in which Jesus said this. But here, here's what Jesus said uh, in Matthew chapter 6. No one can serve two masters. Two masters. Last week we were in Luke, today we're in Matthew. It's literally the same verse. It's coming from a Sermon on the Mount. It's kind of like Jesus' greatest hits. Okay, he said it multiple times, um, and here's one of them. Uh, and Jesus says um, that no one can serve two masters. And what is a master? Master is something that has to come first. That's what a master is. 
Masters are always first. And Jesus says you can't have two of them. It wouldn't work. Some of you have two bosses. You're not meant to have two bosses, but you end up having two bosses. And it's annoying, isn't it? In college, in one of my jobs, I had like six or seven of them. And they contradicted themselves all the time. They were all men. I don't know how that worked out, but that's how it worked out, okay? Not to bash on the men, but sometimes, you know, we can be inconsistent, okay? But masters are always first. It controls. You can't have two of them. So in other words, you can't say, oh, well, my family is first. At the same time, your money and practicality is first. You can't say your friends are first if money and practicality is really what's first. You can't have, like, a work-life balance that's healthy if your money is also your master. It's not possible. And so Jesus suggests an alternative. He says, either you will hate one or love the other, or excuse me, either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God as the alternative and money. And I realize it's a very typical thing to say, well, God is that potential alternative to replace money with in your life. But that's what I want you to consider for the next few minutes that we have together. Jesus essentially kind of breaks this idea of God as kind of the first and foremost thing in your heart. He breaks this down when he concludes his Sermon on the Mount in kind of a story that some of you may have heard if you grew up in church or grew up going to Sunday school, something like that. He said um, in Matthew chapter 7, he said, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, in other words, whoever hears these words that you cannot serve two masters, that money and God or money and family or whatever combination you want to put there cannot be both masters in your life at the same time. Whoever hears words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on rock. In other words, if you build your house, if you build your life, if you build your heart on rock or on God, is essentially what he's insinuating, we, as Christians at least, believe you will have stability in your life that you cannot have when anything else even your spouse is first. It's not possible. There's nothing in this world that is that incredibly stable as at least what Christians believe God is. God, who is not moving, he's not going anywhere, he's not changing. God, who came to earth to die for us, to forgive us, to teach us, to help us. God, who is always working for our good. If you put that God as your rock, when the rain comes down, as he goes on to say, when the rain comes down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, and otherwise the storms are here, yet it did not fall. Why? Because it was on a rock, y'all. Storms come, yeah? Life happens. And he's saying if you build your heart first on the right thing, it will withstand the storms when they come. He goes on, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. Because then when the storms come, in other words, when the rain comes and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Just like I kind of mentioned at the start of this, when the stock market falls, People lost, people, get this, people lost their lives. They lost their lives and so they took it because there was nothing left. People's retirements were gone 
Why? Because the storms sometimes come. Maybe yours wasn't in the 2008 financial collapse, but maybe it was when you got in that car accident and it caused a great crash and you need a new car. You didn't have the means to make that happen, at least how you hoped it would. Or that water heater went out or whatever. Those storms came and what you had saved up in that bank account and you were trying to you know, build up and you're kind of stressed about it, you're working so hard at it and then it just all crashed. It's not very fun. Or when that divorce happened, or it happened unexpectedly, and it took the feet right out from underneath of you, both in your heart, relationally, and with your money that you had stored away, or your job, or whatever it is, when the storms come, the sand washes away. And you know this. I mean, we've all probably been to at least some sort of a beach and tried to build a sandcastle close to the water. It is like nearly the most impossible thing to do because as the tide moves in and out, it just washes away the sand. It just starts to fall apart. And you can work as hard as you want, right? I mean, you can stand there. You can bring in buckets of sand in there and try to make it and and stand and last. But eventually, you're going to have to leave the beach. At least you should leave the beach, okay? And when you do, the thing's going to fall. And if the water doesn't get it, a kid certainly will. It comes across and kicks it, okay? But that's, that's how it works, right? That's life. And you panic in the midst of that. You're stressed in the midst of, midst of all of that happening, right? Some of you may have even felt like you were drowning a bit. Now, I don't know if you remember this a couple weeks ago. Um, it was like August. We talked in a series. Um, There's a desert that's not too far from where Jesus was teaching this very lesson, just a few miles away, okay? What was the number one cause of death in the desert? Drowning drowning. In fact, I should have brought a picture. There's these massive, I mean, just gigantic man-made culverts to try to funnel the water away from the few towns that are in the desert. Because when the water comes, everything goes with it, even people's lives. When your heart is not built on a rock, it will wash away. You may feel like you're drowning. And I realize, for those of you who are, are, again, like financially responsible, and like, well, you know what, Taylor, I save up enough where I don't have to be afraid. I won't be stressed if the water heater goes out, or the car gets in a wreck, or whatever, okay? Or I earn so much, Taylor, that I don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. Just remember, for that to be true to some extent, money has to be first. Money may be first driving you and stealing the peace that can come from putting your life, your heart on a rock. If money is first, sooner or later, it will wash away, and you will find it to be one of the most worthless things you could ever have. Now, Jesus isn't trying to crush your financial dreams, okay? I just want to be fair about that, okay? He's not trying to crush your financial dreams. He's not trying to crush your responsibility. He's just trying to say, maybe you'd consider trusting me with your life than your money putting your life in my hands and not in money. And I realize some of you, especially if you're new to church, you're new to this whole Christianity thing, you may be like, I don't know if I know that kind of a God. Well, then you should go home today, pull up your Bible, download the Bible app, okay, and read Matthew chapter 5 through 7, which is kind of what we're skimming through today, 5 through 7 in the NLT translation or in the message translation, which is a bit more modern of a translation. Just read through it. Read through it, write down the steps, the things you're supposed to do, and then go live it for the next month. And if you go live it for the next month, 
and you come back after that month of living it and say, Taylor, that was the most worthless advice. I don't think God cares because if that's what God teaches, God certainly doesn't care. Hey, then you're good to go. You've tried it out and it doesn't work, but I promise you it will because God loves you a lot more than your money ever will. God loves you a lot more than your money ever will. Well, Taylor, that's so cute and warm and fuzzy and maybe God would help me but God isn't going to pay my bills, Taylor. He isn't going to put the food on the table. Somebody's got to do that. That somebody's got to be me. You're right. That somebody does have to be you. You're right. It is on your shoulders to take some degree of responsibility of your life because God has given you the things that you need, like hands, brains, to live your life and to own and take responsible, responsibility for your life. And if you're worried about what's going to be for dinner, and what you're going to feed your kids, and feed your family, and all that stuff, I want to introduce you to this right here. This is called a hot pocket. <laughs> this is a hot pocket. It is very affordable, mildly nutritious, only 330 calories. Wow. That's, a, that's food that gives. Wow. Yeah. And it comes in a two-pack. How great is that? Okay? Here's the point. God is probably not going to serve it to you at your table. But most of us are very capable of earning a living to purchase it, cook it, and eat it. We are going to need to take responsibility for our part of the equation. A good father doesn't do it all for you. Fair? A good father will teach you. A good father will help you. That is a father in heaven worth putting first in your life. Because nobody likes a hovering parent who controls every move. God's not that kind of a parent. You can take responsibility for your life. All he's inviting you to do is just put your heart on something that lasts. Him. Why? Because what's first in your heart will be first in your life. And if you start to put everything through the God filter because that's what's first in your life, just like a marathon runner training to do well in a marathon, it's like they're laser focused on their goal, their objective, doing well, completing the race. Even through the race, they're so focused on what they're doing. They just look at the world through that filter. That's what you do with your heavenly Father. You look through that filter. That God will be there. That God will stabilize things on a rock. When you look at your money, God will be there to help you. Say, God, hey, God, how do you handle money? That's how I'm going to handle money. Jesus, what did you teach about money? That's how I'm going to handle my money. And it begins with not having it first. Because what's first in your heart will be also first in your money. Money shouldn't be first. God should be. And when God is first, you see it in people's lives when they begin to put God first, is their whole financial outlook changes. They begin to be generous in ways that they have never in their life before. Why? Because no longer does money have that, I don't know if I can write that big of a check. I don't know if I can be generous. I don't know if I could sacrifice to give to others, especially those who need it most. My finances may do this. The stock market may do this. My job even may, not, may do this. 
but I'm good. I'm at peace. I'm not stressed. Taylor generosity is really hard, though. Yeah, it, it may start off that way, but it's not that hard. Because I could get on our Infused Church app, okay, y'all, and it'd take me less than 67 seconds to give. So it's not the method that's the e- issue. That's not what's holding you up, fair? And it's not even the amount, because God's not really after the amount so much as he's about the priority. He's not about the quantity as he is about the priority. Some of us, to put God first or to put something other than our money first means that we need to be writing a little bit bigger check than others. It's not about the quantity, though. It's about the priority, and the priority will dictate the quantity. Then you say, well, Taylor, I just don't want to give to the church. Hey, that's totally fair. I understand those reasons, okay? Then let me introduce you to Be Rich. I introduced it to you last week. It's something we do every single year as a church um, for the last three or four years that we've done, so not every single year, but three out of four, okay? Anyways, Be Rich, essentially all we do is we try to raise $3,000, and then we give 100% of it away. And when I say we, I mean you and I together, we raise $3,000, and we give 100% of it away. We give it um, to people, generally speaking, who have a need in their life. So we give it to pay off the Clear Creek Amana school lunch debt so that parents around this time, this holiday season, they don't have to kind of try to find the balance between I got to pay my students lunch debt as well as, you know, like fix the furnace. And I told you last week, I'm not exaggerating. That is what a parent wrote in a thank you note to us two years ago when we first did this, that it made it so easy for me to be able to reprioritize what I needed to take care of financially in my life. Why? Because people were generous. And it's amazing. And then we give a portion of it to a local nonprofit that's helping um, those people in need, as well as internationally, people who are coming, who are um, finding refuge in um, the United States, and we try to help them to transition, because if you can imagine going to some of the most obscure countries in the world and trying to start a new life, that would be kind of difficult. And so they try to help out with that transition to make them productive, participating members of our community. And then uh, we're going to give a portion of it to international aid, especially to help uh, some of the recovery down um, south um, in uh, the Bahamas and hurricane recovery. So we just give it all away. And so if it's not about the method and it's not about where it's going, why then do you still resist getting out the checkbook to be generous? And if there is resistance, and I would invite you to consider the place that money has in your heart. Because being generous, giving, is a matter of heart. It's a matter of generosity. It's a matter of what really is first. And I'm just inviting you to replace money with God and freeing you up to live independent, not irresponsibly, but independent of the hold and place that money has in your life. Now, one unique kind of opportunity here, we just were talking about it, literally found out about it just before I walked in here. Um, apparently in Johnson County, there's a Johnson County Foundation, um, Community Foundation, and on this Wednesday, this Wednesday, they do this matching program, um, and so essentially if you give to them under our name, they will match up to a certain amount of what you give, dollar for dollar okay? And so what I'd like you to consider doing, I don't know how this all works, and maybe we'll try to put an email together and mass email it out to everybody um, if you want to participate in this, but if you want to be part of Be Rich and you want to give to others, essentially every dollar 
that you give to this community foundation, and then they match the Johnson County Community Foundation. They match. We're going to give that away. So you can essentially take one dollar and make it into two. It's a pretty, pretty straightforward equation. Fair? Okay? That's this Wednesday, and it's like first come, first serve. So I don't know like when the like phone lines open or the credit card transactor thingy online opens, but if you give to that first and they write us a check, we'll take that and we're just going to give that all away as part of Be Rich. So I'm just telling you, you can make a pretty big impact pretty quickly. Okay? Now, to wrap this up, what's first in my heart will be first in my life. Maybe your next step is to surrender your heart to a God who loves you, cares for you, and live peacefully with that God forever instead of with money, which consumes and stresses y'all out. Maybe you need to go home and you need to talk about this. Talk about this with your spouse. Talk about it as a family. And ask yourselves, like, honey, babe, sweetheart, schnookums. As a family, what's first in our collective hearts? What do we value as a family? You know how many families have that conversation? Very few. But it's pretty powerful when you do. Just as it is powerful, my friends, when an entire church, a community of a couple hundred people come together and they say, you know what? We're going to be a church defined by generosity. We're just going to give and we're going to do events and we're going to serve our community and we're just going to be generous. Why? Because we don't need to take it with us. We can help people along the way. Start with the heart. And then secondly, I'd invite you to consider being rich in generosity with the community of people around you. I should also note, parents, if you're going to pick your kids up today, and then I'll pray here in just a second. If you're going to pick your kids up today, hopefully you get a little slip of paper. Essentially what the kids are going to do for the next couple weeks, essentially through December 1st, it's the first Sunday in December, is they're going to um, be invited to bring their change in, like loose change or like spare change or just like change. Maybe they have a change bucket. And bring that all in, and then all the kids are going to collect it. And then as a collective, all the kids are going to vote of where they want all that money to go, and we're going to give them a couple options, and just give them an opportunity to take ownership into their lives, and what they got going on, and making a difference in other people's lives, and so parents, grab that little note, and and make sure you have the opportunity to participate in that with your kids for the rest of the month, because it just isn't an adult thing. My friends, if we taught the next generation generosity, it would solve a lot of the world's problems. You don't even have to be Christian to get on board with that, fair? Okay, all right, so what's first in your heart, first in your money, Bow your heads. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, um, Lord, thank you um, that we have, um, we have your Son. Um, we have your Son um, in uh, these words preserved thousands of years to help us to check our priorities. Even if we're not sure about the whole Jesus thing or we're getting back into the church thing or whatever that looks like in our lives, that we have an opportunity to kind of check what is first in our hearts and to maybe reprioritize the order of things. And for some of us, we have the opportunity to reprioritize not just our life, but our eternity with our Heavenly Father. To live free from the stress and the burden that really, at the end of the day, money just kind of brings into our lives. And live a life going forward that's full of peace and joy because we're not defined by that We're defined by our Father in heaven and what he says about us. Lord, help us 
to reconcile the contentions in our hearts when it comes to these issues, to reconcile the, 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 the difficulties within our family when it comes to what's first and what's most important, so that we can live this together. And that we can live lives of generosity because we feel free from our money to do so. So we can make a difference in other people's lives, so we can be rich in all of our many blessings to those who need it most. Lord, we thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Even if you watch online, we would love for you to join in with our Be Rich campaign to raise $3,000 and give it all away to organizations and nonprofits that really make a difference in people's lives. Now, as far as you're concerned, though, I would really encourage you to consider what is first in your heart and how that impacts your life. And more ultimately, considering, do you really put God first in the areas in which you should? And how would that look like it if you did? We're so glad you joined us. We'll see you next week.